Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 68 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, as seen on DC's Swamp Thing, Hector! Still, bro? Still, still, I mean, it. I mean, it, you have an IMDb, so I feel like it's still legitimate. It got erased. <gasps> it well, I'm not erased from IMDb. That credit got erased from IMDb. Aw, as not seen on DC Swamp Thing. No, as still seen, <laughs> just still as seen, not, but not acknowledged, not appropriately credited, which goes for most of my life. But. Oh. <laughs> I am on there for faith and fandom. <laughs> yes. So if you click on me on IMDb, it's like author of the faith and fandom book series. I'm like, cool, cool. <laughs> Why on IMDb? Okay, whatever. Fine. But you know what, what's even suckier? And this is total rabbit trail. Leave this in though, Matt. We love you. Um, yeah, thanks, Matt. I actually don't even know if Matt edits stuff out, but I just trust Matt with everything he does. Um, as one should. Thank as you, new should. producer Matt. New producer Matt, who also produces all the other things. He's the Omni producer, which sounds like a really great grocery chain. But I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I am like an associate producer for the film Blue Like Jazz, and my name is legit credited in the credits. Oh. But I've submitted that to IMDb like 49 times. And I'm like, I can literally give you the timestamp. I'm on the screen, but they're like, nah, fam, we don't care. I'm like, but whatever. <laughs> all right. Well, so we'll we'll get the change.org petition rolling, and all of you can help Hector yes. get his associate producer cred. Yes. Uh, but we've got so many comics and other random things to talk about this week. So I, I guess that means, um, it, well, you know, strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Uh, better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next. How do I even top an open like that? I mean, I don't know. But we've got a wonderful show for you today. Uh, we're going to hit the latest news that you need to know. Our must-pull recommendations from the past few weeks. Uh, our favorite number ones, which I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised by mine this week. I'm just going to say that now, and so much more. So this is the Polis Podcast. <laughs> Swinging on into the Polis podcast, uh, multinational newsroom, also known as my office, which is kind of like a closet at the back of of where I hang out. But you know, Spider Man, Spider Man, <laughs> Parker, get in here. Um, so I guess that means I should start with our Marvel news. Um, exactly. That's exactly what that meant. It seems appropriate. Um, have you been reading um, Shang Chi at all? It's, no. It's hitting. It's a yeah. Well, I guess you're not alone because it's canceled. Um, they're dropping it from their current run on issue 13. Um, seems like a poor decision to end something on 13. I don't know, like superstitions and such. I don't know. Um, but yeah, number 13 is going to end that run. Um, but this is also Marvel we're talking about. So a few months later, Shang-Chi and the 10 rings will be issue number one. Yay. Yep. You're welcome. 
Um, <laughs> I, I just, ugh. sometimes comics just make my head hurt. Um, this is a great example of, well, that wasn't working. Let's just keep doing it the same thing, but call it something different and slap a number one on it. Um, probably 49 um, variant covers will come out that month as well. So Comics yep. doing that is like the old awkward man that tells a joke and it doesn't get a laugh. So he waits till somebody <laughs> new walks in the room and then tells the same <laughs> joke, hoping. It does the vaudeville hands and everything. He goes, yes. Eh? 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 Nope. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. It, it's another chance for us to read a number one and be convinced otherwise. So that that's a thing, I suppose. Um, but to be fair, I will balance out kind of our, our snarky um, balance of news. I will give the snarky DC news first and then the, okay, that's kind of cool DC news um, next. Sorry, Marvel. No kind of cool news for you this week. Do better. Um, so DC Comics is bringing back uh, the round robin um, contest slash not an event, but thing. And I honestly didn't remember the first one, which apparently I, happened I, last year. Yeah. I, and I saw the round robin label on books. Right. But I had no idea what was happening. I thought you're, it was literally like, a robin story. Right, you're like, what on earth is going on here? What so did Damien the- do now, that rap scallion? <laughs> Still the worst, Damien. Still the worst. Um, so, yeah, the round robin tournament is that they literally kind of, a bunch of creative teams pitch some, like, really wild stories or ideas. Some are Elseworld, some are, you know, kind of, like, adjacent. And it's basically... Here's a bunch of pitches. Then there's going to be a round robin style tournament of voting to determine which one of these things actually gets made. Um, which, when you stop for a second, I I stop and go, I, I really wish DC had hit this much harder in 2021 because I might have paid attention. But it looks like their marketing's a little more solid this year. And at least we have a collection of what they're actually pitching and some graphics so that they can pretend to be like social media wizards and stuff. But just flipping through some of this stuff, it's like, dang. So like Hawkman and Hawkwoman, the, the changeling Hawkman and Hawkwoman have never had children together. They know that for a fact. Then who is, Oh look, his name's like Hector hole, the hot headed razor winged teen who claims to be their son. Can they trust their own memories or each other? Um, I think I could read all of these like in an announcer voice and it'd be interesting. Um, but well, there's a we're co- doing voices strap in cause Larry boys <laughs> doing the rest of this podcast. <laughs> oh no. And our Moon Knight review is a pickle. <laughs> and we're getting sued. Got it. Um, <laughs> from, but, from big idea or from Marvel? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but there's a, there is a, the question story in there. Um, and Constantine and the demon, actually, I'm kind of interested. Like the question one is, uh, a Renee Montoya story. So I know who you're voting for, but Constantine and the demon subtitle vacation from hell. I'm in, um, suicide squad. I would read that. Yeah, Suicide Squad, Dark, Firestorm, Fourth World Problems. That's a deep cut. I dig it. Dark Side is, kids. 
Um, there's a Black Canary story. There's a Green Lantern story. Uh, it's just... I'm looking at all this. Oh, yeah, and Captain Carrot and his best friend Darkseid is, like, one of the last ones, and I want that to exist on so many levels that I don't even know what to do. Um, yeah, so that's a thing. We will try to keep an eye on it this year because it looks like they really went really all in on this one, and I'm just looking at all of them going, can we have them all, please? So... Yep. No, we need room for 43 Batman books every week. Get it together, Chris. <sighs> You're not... Yeah. Okay, Marvel. Marvel's pitch room is, what if the X-Men did... Dot, dot, dot. And the DC pitch room is, so what if Batman... I'm going to stop you there, fam. What if the Bat family... Ah, continue. Um, yeah. We are approaching the point that there may be an episode in our near future where we have a real serious talk. I think a while ago we talked about the state of comics, but I continue this slide and I'm spending less and less money, and it's because I just can't. And I don't know what's going on, but even like talking to a bunch of my shop friends, they're like, no, we're with you. There's stuff that we're like, I'm not even going to, I know. And that's not a good thing. I, I don't know how creativity managed to murder itself during COVID, but it kind of looks like it did. <sighs> but good news. Good news. DC is bringing us more crisis, which we talked about. Wait, um, that's good news? Yeah, no, that was kind of a joke. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've talked a bit about Dark Crisis and we slowly get more and more of an idea. So um, Joshua Williamson, who was a flash writer for the majority of its current arc, and then wrote the first arc of Batman uh, post-Tinian. And so this is his event. And the current claim is it's a love letter to the length of the DCU and everything, which I guess is why it's not called like Infinite Crisis's Dark Crisis Metal or whatever. Um, it's going to supposedly follow the events of the death of Justice League. Spoiler, not spoiler. If you're not paying attention to DC right now, they, they, some stuff's happening over in the Justice League books, um, but not enough to get me to read it. So there you go. Enough said. Um, so I don't know what a love letter to DCU looks like in a world where they've managed to kind of turn off a lot of long-term readers, but... That's supposedly what they're going all in on. So Justice League 75 apparently is kind of the major setup to the Dark Crisis. Um, and we'll see. I guess I have to read it now. Though I have to tell you that my, my interest level is very low based on this pitch. Well, and that's going to be hard, too. It's going to be hard to even read it outside of just buying it digitally because all the speculators are buying it oh. because yes. it's... That everybody's killing the Justice League story. Yep. Um, which is which is always a good time. And um, everybody should be prepared because Chris and I are going to do a cover hip-hop song that is going to be uh, set to the Warren G and Nate Dog song, Regulators. But it will be called <laughs> Speculators. Speculators! Oh. Mount up. <laughs> <laughs> 
all the lawsuits continue yeah so this this episode will not be available on youtube um <laughs> but that's fine but dark crisis after justice league 75 is getting a zero uh free comic book day special edition so Free Comic Book Day fam is also actually landing back on its correct first Saturday in May this year. So May 7th is Free Comic Book Day. I'm going to forget that by next month. So I'm going to say it now. Um, and hopefully, you know, we actually remember to remind you all to run out and get all the books that the speculators are going to be um, taking See, it, from all the slaps, children. doesn't it? it yeah, does. a little bit. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, and my final bit of news we, we know we have some people in our orbit and some people that listen to this show that are semi-creative or, like, really creative, right? Good writers, some good uh, illustrators out there. Well, I know this is going to sound weird because I'm usually the guy that says, don't do that, digital is evil, blah, 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 blah. But uh, there there be money on the line. So for all of you who are the creative types that think they got something that's really – well, you want to find out. Webtoon – who we've talked about in the past because they are kind of a home to a lot of independent um, serial um, comics, comic strips, web comics, etc. They do a metric ton of digital content creation. And they have what they're calling their call to action contest, and you could win a 50 grand. Um, so step up. Because not only is it some cash, I think it's also some digital publishing and all the rest of it that, you know, comes along with it. So it's an opportunity to throw some content out there and see what the world thinks. But if you're not familiar, just because I've, I've know I've mentioned it a few times, Laura yep. Olympus is their golden yep. child, um, yes. which was a webtoon that became immensely popular has been licensed for an adult animated series. And if you walk into stores like Hot Topic and um, like Box Lunch and stuff now, there is Laura Olympus merch everywhere. Um, like I sent a friend of mine, there are Laura Olympus earbud containers and mm. air fresheners and stuff. And y'all, this Ooh. is somebody that they were at Heroes Con with me in my tenure of doing Faith and Fandom. And now are like bestsellers, and you can buy two hardback volumes the size of the fourth Harry Potter book of this webtoon. So that is oddly specific, but I pick up what you're putting down. So I'm just saying, like this for folks that are because I know I know a lot of people in our specific comic book circle of yep. creators that look on this as almost shunning it. Like shunning mm -hmm. webtoons, but I'm telling you, y'all, it could, it can be not only a digital platform; it can be a good launching point too, and a serious, yes, um, print platform. And and that's why I felt it was this is a good place to bring it up. Um, that you know we can be silly and everything, but this this really is a good opportunity because the truth is in this industry. You, you got to do your time. You got to you got to get your stuff out there, and you just got to keep drawing. You got to keep writing, and that means getting your stuff read matters most. And whatever format you can do that through, you should do that through. And we have some friends that these are kind of the pathways that have opened doors, and we know some folks that have been grinding for some time and then get that chance. So if you're you about that grind, then continue it and. 
honestly, Webtoon goes to a lot of big shows um, in comic space and sets up huge things to either their content or to find more content. They're constantly hiring across the spectrum. So I, I found out about a great them. opportunity. I found out about them because they were literally a booth away from me at Heroes Con handing out giant free bags. Yeah, um, they, they give out tons of stuff and then you just see their branding for the rest of the con. They they not stupid. So it's a great opportunity. But uh that's all I really had for news. I don't know if you had anything that snuck in the news. We've got some stuff we're going to talk about in the polls that kind of fell in the news category. So we'll we'll save that for later in the podcast. But was there anything I missed? I mean, I we know, I know I did, but <laughs> um, just to throw this out there that for those that are watching, um, the Batman has officially surpassed every other DCEU movie in domestic box office. Oh dang. Not worldwide, you know, all the bajillions. Right, right. Right. Uh, but still, that's, I mean, it ain't nothing. So uh, that's what you need to know, or at least what we think you need to know, and is our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you all of that hot, fresh, inside knowledge. As always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord or on our Facebook community. And you can begin that wonderfully geeky adventure together with us. Aw. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed. And as noted, we, we probably did. There's lots of stuff out there. And I got to, you know, wind it down so we can talk about the, the books of comics and things like that each week. So we hang out there, or I hang out on Discord. You know, a couple of us are having a, a conversation without Hector because reasons. Um, I get all these notifications and I don't know how to find them. <laughs> well, it's okay. We'll teach you. Maybe maybe we'll have producer Matt teach you how to Discord too. He's like, he's good at that stuff. He is. He offered the first time I said something about it. And I'm like, no, I'm okay not knowing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'll be over here on Meta. I mean, Facebook. I mean, I don't know. What's an NFT? Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. Having 14 years of parenting experience and still learning every day, I have like a whole roster of things I want to expose my kids to. Music, movies, video games, anime, comics, blah 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 blah, road trips, all of it. There's, there's stuff I just want to share with them. But as they've gotten older, I've come to realize I also need to be open to actually taking their recommendations as well. Because... You know what? They know me as well as I know them. And so as my daughter Rosa and I, she's 14, as we were heading to a Comic-Con, we had like a three hour drive. And the day before the Comic-Con, she had just finished an anime series called Your Lie in April. And I thought forever that she was saying Your Lie in April, but you know, uh, Your Lie in April. And she was telling me about this anime and it was one I had never heard of. And my initial response, you know, just being a grumpy old wee was be like, Psh, what do I need to know about your anime? Like, like seriously, my flesh was like, shut up. I, I don't need you to tell me about anime. Well, you know, you're 14. And, but it was like, but I was like, no, okay, go on. Tell me about your anime. And she went on to tell me about how it was the sad story and about pianists, like piano players and, 
uh, violin player and sickness and family trauma. And that was emotionally wrecking and beautiful. And on the trip, like, because the wound was still fresh, she cried, like, pretty often just talking and thinking about this anime. And it'd be, like, random things, and she just burst into tears. And I just listened to her, and, like, it made a difference. So, today, after we finish dinner, uh, I'm coming back into the area where I record and stuff and to prep some work and she's re-watching the series and she's on episode three and I just sit down and do some desk work automatically get sucked in and I spend the next 13 episodes not getting any work done just watching it with her and talking about how good the writing is and how beautiful the expressions are and all these things and my daughter and I had a really good connecting moment because not only did I enjoy it while we were watching it, but I also was there for her when it was hurting. And, you know, Romans 12, 15 tells us that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And when we can prove to people that we're going to stand beside them in the hard times and in the good times, our relationships are stronger and they hear us. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to the Polis Podcast. We should we should talk about the books. We should. I know for the last couple of weeks I've kind of been on the. Well, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And let me tell you, fam, once again, I literally didn't have four books this week until um, I caught some stuff and a a thing occurred, and some attention was drawn to it. And and Hector and I are going to talk about it. So. I'm going to let Hector start because he he did find four books <laughs> um, to talk about. And then both of us have uh, DC number one. So we're we're back on the big two for the number Ooh, ones this we? week. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to shock you with mine because I picked it up expecting it to be hot garbage and I was kind of okay with it. So we'll, we'll talk about that kind of at the bottom of the show. So, yeah. Well, uh, what what? made you go into the comic shop and go ooh this week Ooh, i just saw that one of your pulls i didn't know existed and I missed it at my shop this week that sucks okie dokie um <laughs> so uh i'm just gonna go ahead with uh human target number six um i think i've said human target every time it's come out um yep, you're that guy and uh it is continual but oh chris oh chris mm. did mm-hmm. you read it uh I I read it. I don't know if I read it closely because for whatever reason the, this one isn't quite giving me the vibe I wanted off from it, but yeah. I I do not have the background or depth on Human Target that you do. So I I don't want to tarnish people's opinion just because Chris got bored because that doesn't mean much to be honest. <laughs> no, no. Well, I I just was making sure because of the death of a major character in it. Yes, yes, yes. No, and um, uh, we've got a few things in our polls this week that if you kind of care, might wander in the spoiler territory. At least my number one is going to be, and what you're about to say is so you know. 
catch up on your comics <laughs> and then finish the episode. So should I, should I talk about that or? No, what? I think we should because I think it's important to why some people may read it because some people don't necessarily care. You know, that whole thing of that they've done the studies and that sometimes spoilers actually encourage people to pick up new content because they go, oh, wow, I didn't expect that to happen. I do want to know what happened. So I think as a review-ish type podcast that it should be fair for us to be like, hey, hey, fam, um, we, we talk about the books that came out in the last two weeks. And this episode and, and the episodes come out a week later. So technically you had three ish new comic book days to catch up. So that that feels more fair than other websites are like, you got 12 hours, fam. Get it done. Yeah, you got 12 <laughs> hours. Um, all right. So um, the whole concept of. uh human target is that uh he has been poisoned he took some poison uh that was intended for lex luthor and he's trying to figure out who uh did it he suspects uh there's a a whole murder mystery um love triangle situation going on with it um and he either suspects the woman that he's with which is uh uh ice or fire um and which are old Justice League International, or is it mm-hmm. West Coast? Is Justice League International? Who are they? Uh, who are they again? Fire, Ice, like uh, the Ice Lady, oh. and then the lady that wears green. That's named Fire. It was the one that uh, had Blue Beetle and t- uh, right. Booster Gold, Martian Manhunter. Um, either way, it was an old justice league team that's not the canon justice league or the big justice league um he's investigating this murder and each issue takes you to a specific league member so one issue focused on ted cord one issue focused on martian manhunter which was a complete mind trip um and then this issue focused on uh if you i think honestly even though green lantern's on the cover like guy gardner um mm-hmm. we already had a green lantern focused issue yes we or did. um so i honestly feel like this one was more an ice focused issue um mm-hmm. they just gave us green lantern as the the cover boy um <laughs> because it's the fact that even though he doesn't trust this woman even though he knows she's she he knows she's manipulating him uh, he would rather spend the last days that he has being lied to in her presence than solving his murder out without it, um, which is its own like tangled thing. But uh, Guy Gardner, who is the jealous ex-boyfriend, shows up and um, he intentionally provokes her to the point um, that she gets him angry enough that she freezes guy gardner solid and if you've ever been a fan of batman and uh guy gardner there's this whole thing about how he got knocked out and it only took one punch um mm. with batman like knocking out guy gardner with one punch um uh so they allude to that but you see a mild-mannered human detective with no powers literally punch Green Lantern Guy Gardner in the face and shatter his whole skull. And then they make out while his <laughs> body is unfreezing into chunks on the ground. Oh. And it's, 
Oh my. So like they straight up killed Green Lantern. Um and to be th- fair, there's a there's a lot of angst about Guy Gardner <laughs> throughout history, so it, like mo- anybody that's read a comic book's like, eh, he had it coming. More yeah. copyright issues. Um but uh yeah, so that's it's for people that love or hate Guy Gardner and you want to see him get his head put in chunky pieces. Razzle Tazzle. You should read mm. this. But also, it's just great. But they are taking off what, four to six months now? Oh right. I was trying to remember a book that was about to go on break, but yeah, this one's go it's an advertised three, I think. Okay. Um, but I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah. We're gonna get a hardcover first six issue of this book because reasons so that we can get the last half of it and they did that during metal too and uh, i get it money's a thing but dang (laughs) yeah um so uh that was one for me um another one is uh the ninja turtles annual 2022 um which i don't you know always subscribe to uh ninja turtle books um but this one really was a beautiful throwback um to all that is good in the ninja turtle storytelling world um it's a single i I think it can stand alone but it's just simply um the four of them together not in sync what that looks like and then what it actually looks like when they come together in sync storytelling is great um there was moments that actually gave me warm fuzzy feels like kid level excitement Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, because, uh, and it literally kind of poked fun at how hard it is to tell a Ninja Tur- Turtle story now because they're so drowned in their own mythos. Like if you read the comics, there's a lot to take in. Um, it's like trying to read Spawn with it, like jumping in at issue 305. Um, <laughs> Oops. and, and they're, uh, but they basically say, look what it is when it's just the four of us without everything else. And it's kind of nice. Um, so if you're a fan of Ninja Turtles, I would highly recommend picking up the 2022 annual. Um, also going to throw out there Rain number three. This is another story from Joe Hill, which I totally forgot Joe Hill wrote it when I read the first one. I don't even think I read that it was Joe Hill when I read it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I just, the concept looked cool, so I picked it up. Um, but it's a story of where all rain in the world turns into like razor sharp daggers and so like there's periodic chains where like the earth murders like everything if that's not under a steel roof and um it it basically turns into a woman trying to get to her now deceased fiance's parents to tell them goodbye and let them know that you know their child is gone uh and all the chaos and douchebaggery that insists once, because as every apocalyptic story tells us, when the world falls apart, people just be more douchey. Um, <laughs> as as the general concept is, people be people. That yeah, that's but and you know, after twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, I don't even know that I disagree with any of it. Um, <laughs> womp 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 womp. So, so Kirk- Kirkman was right. The aliens. Kirkman are was right, except oh, for letting wait. this show continue. Um, Aw. But, you know, still. Uh, so, also, I'm just going to throw this out on my sidetrack real hard. Um, from what I understand for the Walking Dead show, 
Because you know it's <laughs> oh, about to end. Did, did, right, so I just set you up for something. Good. Got it. Yeah. Um, Today's episode's brought to you by The Walking Dead. Not really. And also is why absolutely not making it past any copyright filters this week. Continue. Do they actually listen for that stuff? Nah, technically it's music, so just, okay, just cool. no soundtrack. <laughs> nope, stop. Nope. <laughs> um, so, like, if you've read The End of The Walking Dead, I felt like that was kind of a masterpiece. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I jumped in and out of that throughout its entire read because some of the New World Order stuff and that arc and everything kind of before the end made me go, okay off the rails here but then when it came to a close i was like all right, all right this is a major comic event um i i need to know how it ended and same thing i i was like oh that huh i i didn't quite expect what uh, what otherwise is a really ugly story with some humanity sprinkled about to end on a high humanity point yeah but it really did and it really wow. did so i've from my understanding of where i see the show is going and something i've read is that because they've killed off Carl and Rick is gone, they're yeah, still... Kind of, kind of makes the ending hard. <laughs> well, no, they're still heading for the same ending. Oh, no. But instead of it being Rick, it's going to be Aaron. Mm, no. Well... Uh, like, but I not only... I feelings on that, but okay. Yeah, but they're, I think they're even taking his hand. Oh. Like, okay. they're going full Rick with it. <laughs> like, he might just be reading the story. They might even right, just, right. It might even end with him reading the story to Judith. Right, right. No, well, not Judith. Well, yeah, it might end with him reading the story to Judith. Judith didn't live in the comics, but, you know, you get the drift. Um, yeah, well, we, we know what the show did to all that. They went, ha! Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, for real. Um, so, uh, well, this Walking Dead moment's been brought to you by Hector. But yeah, Rain has Walking Dead vibes, but with like spears of water that kill people instead of zombies. Uh, it's fun to read. <laughs> the art is really kind of odd. Like the art throws me. The art feels mm -hmm. like what I feel like a full comic book of. Um, what's that show with the airport you convinced me to watch? You and Todd. Um, oh, uh, Station Eleven. Yeah, this the artwork in Rain feels like what a full Station Eleven comic book would look like mm. in my mind. Um, and then my other pull, just for my general ones, uh, is X Men Unlimited number one, which is not the controversial X Men we're talking about today. Um, <laughs> no, we'll get to that later. And I think this was an older book, like maybe a month old. Um, and I only picked it up because, uh, once again, I got sold by a cover. Um, they had I, a... It was on the current week for me. So really? I think it okay. actually came out, yeah. Okay. Well, there is... Uh, X-Men Unlimited, number one, had a Women of History, like, variant covers. And they had a one of Magic as Joan of Arc. And I like Joan of Arc. So I bought this comic book. And, um, like, it was a really fun story. Um, and if you're unfamiliar, X-Men Unlimited is like a, we aren't, we don't care about trying to be in a canon or propel a storyline or anything right, right. like that. It's just like, let's have fun and tell an X-Men story, which is what every freaking X-Men comic should be. Um, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. 
<laughs> I get long stories and trying to tell arcs, but good grief. This one issue was more fun than everything in the House of X so far. Um, but the issue is just literally Wolverine on a spaceship yep. trying to rescue mutants and fighting yep. Modoc. And and stealing aim and uh, henchmen's beverages, stealing aim beverages and aim agent on a toilet, like that getting attacked by Wolverine. It was funny, and that's the thing. That's a moment we can talk about because it was fun to read and not frustrating. No, I'm not saying I, when you put this on your list and you were like, "Haha, I beat you to reading this week," which Hector did. So fine cred um i i picked i picked it up too and i was like i'm gonna hate this book and then as soon as i realized it was mostly like wolverine doing wolverine things and almost no dialogue i was like you have my attention and then just like aim hench people just like getting obliterated which is their only purpose in comics um not hench people aim hench people and and then modok in between i was just like yep i love everything about this So that's it was it. a that's super pulse. good time. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue some of the X related funness, and then I'm gonna save the thing that we want to talk about kind of towards the end. Um, but uh, Wolverine patch number one came out as well. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Wolverine in his alter ego patch is basically Wolverine becoming like this james bond foil uh literally wears a patch over an eye because of an injury and everything but wears like this white suit type thing and travels to far-flung places goes to bars to drink and and women in action and i don't know what's going on but here you go um so it was just mindless enough that I was like, okay, I'm here for it. I get that it's tropey and it's and technically in many ways like horrible in that sense, but at the same time, taking it in its context for what it is, for the purposes it was designed, I was like, yep, that that's a Wolverine story and a half. And for those who uh, love them, some GI Joe and Larry Hama and all that, well, Larry Hama's writing this. Um, and oh. the, yeah, that was one of the reasons I also picked it off the shelf. Cause I was like, Oh, go on. Um, but it's, it's illustration also has a bit of a GI Joe throwback, like vibe to it. So that's why I'm just like, this is just kind of a warm, fuzzy, completely throwaway, um, story comic. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. That's okay in comics. Cause sometimes that's just what you need. And boom, it happened. Uh, and, oh, you know what? A lot of my books this week kind of fall in this category. Um, so my other one was from Image, uh, Zombies versus Robots Classics. Um, written and created okay. by... Yeah, writ, written <laughs> and created by Chris Ryle, who was um, uh, IDW's um, EIC um, for a hot minute before that ship like started to catch on fire and everyone was like cool uh what what ne next which is unfortunate because chris is a really great dude just weird stuff going out of idw we've talked about that in the past but i dig it when he steps behind a pen a pencil a keyboard what have you to create stuff because the dude's kind of creative and very funny um but this story is very pulpy and i'm using that very explicitly that this is 
it says classics in it, and it's got that you know old school pulp comic type zombies versus robots, and it, the the art has that old pulp feel. The stories are kind of disjointed, which feels a lot like the era of pulp stories as well. And I, I couldn't honestly fully tell you what's going on, except that there is a research facility that builds some robots. There's a portal that is connected either to the future or the past or all of the above. There are things that have traveled back and forth, but you kind of get the vibe by the end of the first story that the main point is that we're creating robots to fight zombies in the future? Question mark. Um, so the art just kind of throws you into this very different world. It's kind of a surreal experience. And this is another one of Chris's recommendations that half the people are going to go, I don't get it. And that's okay. Um, but I like it when comics do this kind of throwback to an era of once before. And even if it doesn't go anywhere, it's fun. I dig what Chris is doing. It's pretty. And either it's going to have a, oh, well, I didn't see that coming. Or I'm just totally not going to understand it at the end. But that's okay. Because the journey's still interesting and different and right now when i walk into a comic shop and i can't find anything to read interesting and different is going to win every single time they're going to get my monies um the next book is another one of chris's features on i told you to read this and now i'm taking it back <laughs> um did you have it on your list and we shared it or did I and we shared it? But anyway, the all new Firefly. So the transition in the current Firefly reading. Um, yeah, I had it on my list and we shared yep. it. So the first the first issue really made us go, wow, that really felt like Firefly, right? And that happened on all the other ones as well. I picked up number two and like three pages in was like, I'm done. Oh, no. The The art like completely pulled me out from where we were from the first one the story kind of pulled me out as well like it was close to a firefly story but i'm back to brown coats beware that and if you guys want to at me and have this discussion we can but i went oh no they did it again that they set the story up really great and then transitioned hard in the second issue and we're back to the why do you do this why do you do this to me um so i don't know but I, I felt that this is another one of those opportunities that I just need to be like, uh, potentially reader beware, um, or read it and tell me why I'm wrong. I, I I'm okay with being wrong, but for four dollars, I'll just assume you're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I I was just like, wow, that I didn't expect the turn to be that hard. Um, and it's not that, I mean, the story has a skeleton that feels firefly but the art just really jarred me out in comparison to the first and i gotta go back and look and see if it's even the same um illustrators or not because it it just felt so different and not in a good way um and i think that leaves us to kind of like the we gotta talk about the book because what it talked about and then we can hit our last two um but I'm going to first talk about Immortal X-Men number one from the part of I picked it up because last night two thirds of the Internet exploded at a single page in this issue. A single um, panel. 
a, right, a single panel in this issue. And Hector and I were like, oh, I guess we should read the thing. Um, and because I originally looked at it and went, nah, spending five, $6 on one X-Men book is enough and Unlimited sounded delightful, and it was. Um, but here we are at Immortal um, X-Men. And do, hmm? do we want to go ahead and hit the other number ones and then come back to this? Uh, no, I think we're going to, I think we'll, we'll be okay. I'm watching the clock. Okay. We'll be fine. Okay. okay. Um, because I don't have a ton to say on my number one, except getting around to it. So immortal X-Men, um, we're, we're still in the craziness. That is the quiet council, the resurrecting of X-Men, the whole Island thing, like the whole Hickman set up to getting us here is still going on, which has been super distracting to me and why I haven't been reading a lot of X-Men because X-Men books are like bat books right now that it seems to be driving the train, though I, for the life of me, can't figure out why. But this story, even not having read everything because they kind of give you bits and pieces of the backstory that are relevant throughout it, I went, okay, that that wasn't a terrible um, story. In fact, I, I'm picking up all the things that are occurring and... Out, okay. Outside of that one panel, the story is literally the, them just auditioning who's going to take over Magneto's, Magneto's spot. spot. Yep, and that's and, it's, a, it's an audition piece. Yeah, and there's cool stuff with um, that we're we're reminded that the good and the bad of the X Men make up um, this the Quiet Council and the ruling council of the mutant existence at this point and Magneto's basically like yo um I, I've had enough I'm good uh I, I know I was right but I'm gonna go back on my vacation and just not deal with y'all um <laughs> and then everyone's like oh no but who's got to take his place and the rest of the book plays out and so if you're tracking what Hickman's laying down here and also just what's going on it's important to the overall story but smack dab in the middle of it um, well, trying to convince uh, Hope uh, or Messiah, if if you accept Exodus's nickname for her, um, into taking the empty spot. And during the middle of this conversation, he's like, I kind of need to tell you something. And he tells this little story about um, this this mutant, uh, this Nazarene mutant from back in the day that, you know, resurrected people from the dead. And he just watched... Um, Hope slash Messiah do more than that in like the last five minutes and dot 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 did, did Exodus just call Jesus a mutant enter the entire internet <laughs> yes the internet <laughs> which to like to be fair because I don't I'll, I don't live in like comic book news in my feeds I heard it first from relevant so right. good which, for them for right for our folks who who may not know, uh, Relevant is a faith-based, uh, Christian-based magazine that pays attention to pop culture type thing, and they, they jumped on the thing. And then all of my comic book feeds were like, yo, Jesus was a mutant. And I just got vibes all the way back to our very first episode in Batman 53 of, okay, you just lifted a single panel out of the middle of a book that said that Bruce Wayne's an atheist. Except that's not what it was about. So... All right, fam, here we go. Um, the short, short, short version of is <laughs> what on earth is Exodus doing here? Um, do, do you have some setup thoughts on that? I have some of my hot takes, but I'm kind of curious. Um, 
Well, I, I think that it is fully implied that he is directly saying that yes. Jesus was a mutant because he said specifically the Nazarene mutant formed yes. a church because Correct. he raised a couple people back from the dead. Um, and he's like, and you've already raised more than that in the last hour. And then, like, if you right. look at all the surrounding panels, he basically is telling Hope Summers that she is a better Messiah and does better work than God or Jesus does. Right. And he, he is poking that ego hard. Yeah. It, which when you're telling someone, hey, you're God, you're better than Jesus. Yeah, it was it was those portions were cringy for me. Like, sure. Not not just cringy. Like, oh, no, my faith is attacked. Like, I'm like, this is just gross, dude. <laughs> and I think that's kind of one of my hot takes on this as well is um, we'll pull some history for you. Exodus number one is not necessarily a good guy mutant. Um, his his past is fairly checkered in terms of the sides. In fact, he served at Magneto's side um, for a very long time. So you kind of know where he lands on stuff. But going all the way deeper into his history, he also is one of many characters in Marvel that claims a faith and he claims Catholicism. So I was just also weirded out for the, well, canonically and historically, Exodus claims to be a follower of Christ. And now he's saying that Jesus is, is a mutant. So then you get into that weird conversation of, was he a Catholic because he believed Jesus was a mutant? Or are we just retconning stuff super hard now? But I also believe that this is Exodus using this ego push against hope as a manipulative form more so than making a statement. Um, so that's that's kind of like Chris's hot take on on Exodus is that I'm not sure he's serious, but he certainly knows that it benefits trying to move his narrative to convince somebody to his side. Well, I, I think he is serious just on the grounds that or that he's serious there that they're making him serious in this just because mm -hmm. Marvel knows it's good cannon fodder. Oh, I yeah. Mean, and if point A, the simple fact that they made the cover of this book, yes, the Lord's or the Last Supper painting with X Men, they are playing on the Jesus hot take stuff out of it of people that will either think it's awesome or think it's you know blasphemous one way or the other. They're like, hey, let's milk this real quick because otherwise people might not pick this book up. And as you pointed out, overnight guess what the number one digital purchase was in the last 24 hours? Yep, it is the number one digital purchase at the time of this recording. Um, so, yeah, we we know controversy sells, and so and from both sides, because everyone's like, well, what did they say? Well, <laughs> you, you can Google it or find any of the news stories on it, and they will show you the page, and you can save six bucks, um, because that's all there is there. But I guess just some of my other, you know, hot takes on it is there are other Christian-based faith mutants. Um, Wolverine is a Christian. Um, Nightcrawler is a Christian. And Nightcrawler, in this story arc, has been developing his own mutant religion. And so how are there all these mutants that are aware of biblical Jesus, but now all of a sudden one of them's like, oh, yeah, but that dude was a mutant. I was like, well, the folks that have been following them his whole life don't seem to agree with that concept unless they've literally been keeping it to themselves well, for this long. What, and it's what just of, like, and oh. One of the other articles pointed out the simple fact, too, that now because of the out the aftermath of um, 
the resurrection or the trial of Magneto. Um, right. That uh, the whole thing that happened with Scarlet Witch there means that now the X Men have the ability not only to resurrect mutants that are in their little chamber repods. Right, right. They can they can resurrect mutants from all of history. And so one of the articles pitched that um, like they might literally try and actually do something more blasphemous with that later. Um, oh, good times. But I mean, that was even one of my other issues, though, is and I don't know if they have an X-Men answer for it. And that's why they talked about Jesus, the mutant Jesus resurrecting other people is the they completely ignored the part of the story of. Jesus was rector as resurrected himself. In the mm. mutant world, that requires external processes. It's literally what this entire arc is about with the pods and other things. So it, it from from a theological standpoint, there's just lots to unfold here, but it also doesn't seem to necessarily potentially move the plot any. So it's it's just weird, but we figured you know, hey, Hector and Chris are pastors. Why didn't they talk about that X-Men thing and about Jesus being a mutant? Well, here we are, fam. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go into reading all the comments or anything, but uh, just on a ministerial level, if you care, just read it. I posted some of the I posted all of the relevant panels of this in my Instagram, yeah. which is at faith and fandom. And every person that's commented so far is either a comic book professional or a ministerial professional. I've got mm. like one of the biggest theologians I know um, that, you know, has just literally, they live for studying scripture, like all up in there. Uh, we've got Lyle Pollard who does artwork for comics and stuff that you and I connect with. Um, and there's just, but the reality is there's a lot of stuff that this isn't something that like we can even just laugh off and say, Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, storytelling, like whatever that uh, second coming book was. They're like, oh, this is just like y'all are being stupid. Um, this is like, y'all should know better because you're actually jacking up your own um, your own like mythos with what you're doing. But I don't know that they anybody's cared for a while. <laughs> yeah. And I think kind of the, the only other thing that I want to say is the Last Supper thing was interesting. So I went back and stared at that cover to make sure I wasn't missing something. And I think the thing that stood out to me was if it was connected to the overall discussion in the book and what Exodus was actually trying to do, they failed because hope isn't even the middle of – the spot in the middle is empty. Um, and I found that interesting. The thing that is there is Magneto's helmet, which is is – could be well like, we we can talk all day long about that I, but. I think it's more intentional that uh that spot is empty Agreed. because we saw that the entire plot line of what's trying to happen is that uh exodus is trying to convince hope to literally embrace the messiah role right oh, and okay. that she that she hasn't which is, is why, why yeah. that spot's empty so there's there's I think it kind of just ends at the end of the day that it feels kind of like a throwaway. Um, but I guess we'll see because now they have the opportunity to either do something with it or not do something with it. I, I just think there's a lot of internal canonical issues that they created for themselves for basically a, a panel worth of stuff that also at the end of the day might not actually change anything. 
unless they really lean into it. Because even Hope's like, um, the only reason I'm special, quote unquote, is because the Phoenix currently dwells within me. And that just brings you down an entirely different X-Men discussion as well. So it's just, I I think you and I agreed that from our our faith-based position, this whole thing made us go, oh, well, that was a choice. Um, And here we are. So, yep. Any, Any final thoughts on that before we regale our wonderful listeners with our number ones after... Um, sidetracking for a moment. <laughs> no, it's just it's. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I don't. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> but we would yep. love to hear your comments on all of this. So please share. Week in nerd history, the man comes around. Nerd history. WrestleMania 38 happened this past weekend, featuring two nights of matches, essentially two full pay-per-views or premium subscription events or whatever they call them now on Peacock. This is the third year they have decided to split the showcase of the Immortals up into a two-night event. The first being WrestleMania 36 in 2020, which was a relatively underwhelming event with no fans in attendance due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This has proven to be a good move given that the last one-night WrestleMania, the 35th edition, occurring on April 7th, 2019, ran a staggering 7 hours and 19 minutes, including the pre-show, making this WWE's longest uninterrupted pay-per-view event ever. Personally, watching this show was fun, but by hour 5, I was fatigued. As were most of the fans watching, and even the ones in attendance at the event were running low on steam, a fact that was audibly and visibly apparent as the night slogged on. That being said, this show featured a couple memorable moments. Monumental ones, in fact. The first being Kofi Mania. Kofi Kingston breaking through and winning the WWE Championship from Daniel Bryan. This is one of the best feel-good moments in WrestleMania history. However, this was not even the main event. The entire show concluded with the first time a women's match was the main event of WrestleMania, where the man, Becky Lynch, won both women's championships, defeating Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match. You can bet that the crowd was reinvigorated by this final match, which made history in spectacular fashion and solidified the legitimacy of the women's division finally being taken seriously in wrestling. However, given that East Coasters found themselves going to bed after 1am to see this match, I'm sure we're all grateful that we now have two nights to take the whole show in. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more To the Pull List Podcast. To the number ones. Another one. <laughs> and another one. So, uh, I guess I'll, I'll kick this party off this time. Um, I picked up a quasi-DC event book, expecting it to be hot garbage. And I hit the end of it and went, I, I might read this. And so my number one is Shadow War Alpha number one, which just in the naming alone makes you go, ew, why? Is um, this where they killed Ra's al Ghul? 
Uh, so spoiler, spoiler, not spoiler. Um, Ra's al Ghul and Talia are actually going to surrender um, to an international court for all of the bad stuffs. All of it. All of it. Um, and while Roz is like explaining why that basically he's he the demon's head got old and he just don't want to he don't want to play no more so he's like this feels like the best way out and he's giving his speech and uh, Deathstroke shows up and puts a bullet through his brain by Ross Al Ghul um, and of course everybody's freaking out like Damien also came back after some time with. Um, his mom and all that and Batman and him haven't had a had a lot of talk lately but they're like got to see this through and Batman stops Damien from trying to take that bullet for his grandfather and there is a whole thing about that about between Bruce and Damien and Damien's relationship with his mom and with his grandfather and Batman in general that was surprisingly touching is a conversation that I think in comics a lot of folks have been waiting for because that that's a complicated relationship right there but um damien was like uh i was trying to save people and bruce was like yeah and i saved my son so like legitimate touchy touchy feelies in the middle of this insanity okay um which i was like wow i i kind of didn't expect that from the middle of this story and finally it ends with talia's like well you don't just kill the demon's head so call the shadow um so the army of shadows and all of their assassins and the league and everything come together and they're like uh we we gonna go kill us some deathstroke so uh shadow war get it good um so i i have a feeling this book could potentially go downhill quickly <laughs> now that we're in that territory but the setup was really strong and kind of the more spoilery part is the end of the book is a bunch of people coming in to find um, Deathstroke um, sparring. And they're like, wait, didn't you just kill a homeboy? And he's like, what? And they show him the clip. And the other thing is, if you caught it flipping through, that the Deathstroke um, outfit he was wearing is a very old one. And he just looks at the dude and he's like, I couldn't even tell you the last time I wore that outfit. What's wrong with you? He's like, that's not me. Um, so there is going to be a who who pretended to be Deathstroke to literally bring the entire League of Assassins and shadow, Shadows on, on Deathstroke. So I'm kind of hoping it's got some of that detective-y stuff in it. And So I'm sitting here now going, I, I hate the name of it, but... I kind the art was good. the The setup was kind of cool. Had the touchy feely parts of the Bat Family stories, and I kind of want to know who impersonated. Um, My uh, money's on a multiversal Deathstroke. So, well, actually, um, Chris's spoiler alert. Um, hot take on this one is: I, I think it's actually Ross Al Ghul. Um, fake, faking his own death that that's his way out that he doesn't have to deal with it but he still lives but that's just me okay so I either called it or I'm stupid we'll find out in a few months <laughs> so hit me with hit me with what you got uh, this is just kind of a par for the course but uh, Sean <laughs> Murphy's uh, Batman White Knight World um 
they've done a uh, new storyline called Batman Beyond the White Knight. Um, and it's basically picking up where uh, the first two volumes in the Harley Quinn book left off. That Bruce Wayne's in prison. Jason Todd is running the prison, air quotes, and <laughs> uh, stuff. Uh, did you read this? No. No, you didn't. You just no. You did. I, yeah, no. So um, if other people are like, how dare you? Um, I My shop didn't receive it at all. Like DC was like, haha, just kidding. Uh, it's coming next week. So if you're one of those other people, you're just like me going, man. Yeah. So um, my, my, t- my, t- tell my me why store, I need to read it. <laughs> my store only had a certain cover. So oh, they didn't get so, all of theirs so, either. So that happened then because they did receive the one alternate cover that he had ordered for the one person who requested it. So that means, yeah, that must mean that the main covers did not go out. Right. Okay. Side note. Interesting. Um. So the short version is uh, a guy that batman used to be partners with in this whole story line like business what like wayne industries partners with um has sent terry like yes that terry um Mm. to retrieve the batman beyond suit um and is using it as a new hyper violent batman it has very much uh batman nightfall vibes Mm. Um, but Bruce is in prison, um, and can't do anything about it. Uh, he's cut Harley and Barbara and Dick and everyone else out of the world. And, um, so Jason Todd is the main like dude over the prison and, or at least in terms of watching over Bruce and they have some quality time together. But it's literally like there's a few pages of them having some, hey, let's talk about our relationship stuff. And one of the uh, this whole storyline and every version has been everything's a little bit different. Um, And uh, the big story element is that Jason's the first Robin in this universe. Oh, interesting. And so he uh, got captured by the Joker quit because he couldn't hack it and um like dealt with a lot of trauma and pain and stuff so he did in this universe he didn't die right and so, so crowbars don't give him the shutters when he wanders around got it right um he didn't die but he did come back to find that he had been replaced by nightwing <laughs> or by dick Oof. um so it's they reverse the roles so after his trauma and running away and everything else he came back and so he had his own bitterness with that um but it also alludes to the fact that he has his own robin now um which we're gonna get in a red hood back there's a red hood special coming in this storyline um of this same universe uh the other big thing is that enough time has passed that harley and joker's kids i was gonna ask about the kids the kids are teenagers now Ooh. Ooh, and the daughter or sorry the son is a cookie cutter uh by the book um yes ma'am please and thank you polite young boy yeah. the daughter is a punk rock hellion uh maybe dad was right type vibe 
and someone has leaked the information that Harley Quinn was the one that killed her father and ensue parental distrust and drama. Um, the other big uh, thing is like Batman is forced to basically try and escape from where he is so that he can stop this rogue Batman when he only has two months left before his parole. And there are hints that somehow, some way, uh, not going to go to Snoop Dogg, um, <laughs> uh, fighting the Damn urge, uh, fighting the urge. Um, but uh, that somehow the Joker is back, even though Harley Quinn put a large projectile through his cranium. Mm. Um, but or it could be a different Joker. This could be a three Joker situation. I don't know. But uh, we're left with a cliffhanger, and I'm done. So I will. <laughs> I'll say this: This was not the best book in the White Knight line. Um, mm. it wasn't. It, it wasn't the worst per se. But I didn't like what I loved about the first White Knight. Maybe even in the second and some of the third with the Harley thing. Like when the first White Knight came. It was like freaking revitalizing. It was breathtaking. It was yeah. imaginative and creative. And now I feel like we're kind of sucking the marrow out of the bone here. It could still be a great story, but it does not give off you dealing with something new and like life changing. So mm. that's where it's that's where I'm at. Fair. I mean, I look forward to it. The Murphyverse is still interesting to me. I kind of agree that I feel like it's been a diminishing return type thing the deeper we go. But I, I still have faith that he might be able to spark that interest again. Or he does so in very little ways throughout the entire journey. So I'm going to pick it up every time because he's he's earned he's earned my uh, money at this point. So yeah, fair. yeah, he has. And I will buy this whole run just because he made White Knight, period. Yeah, there it is. So, so yeah, that that is ultimately going to do it uh, for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode sixty eight is in the books and now in your ears. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. Uh, as many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcast and fandom with a lot of other amazing podcasts that are part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com where you can check out. Um, some information, previous episodes, maybe find yourself a little something new to listen to and add to your routine. So, as always, Hector and I want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. Uh, so don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. The internet exists. It loves us. Um, maybe not after this episode, but... Um, yeah, don't make me sing no. Snoop Dogg. No, please don't. Or or do, and we're not on YouTube already this week, probably. So, mm, good times. Thanks for listening, and remember, kids, read more comics. Oh!